Welcome to Marvin Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the lead pastor of the church. Today, I'll be continuing the sermon series entitled, Putting Resolute in Resolution. May we be purposeful and unwavering as we pursue life change in 2023. May God speak to you through this message. Let's join in as the sermon is underway. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you have set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. While I was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips and opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. Then he spoke to me, and I was strengthened, and he said, Speak, I said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. It's good to be with you today, and I want to let you know that Sarah is going to be available afterwards to do a little calisthenics for those who like to stay after the service. I think Jonathan got quite a workout on that piano today, so you're, Jonathan, you're exempt. I hope you're, you may go ice your hands. It's good to be with you. It's good to sing one of the new hymns in our new hymnal. What a blessing, written in 2002. Very appropriate for today. God is our strength. And that's what we'll be talking about today. It's so good to be with you in worship. I invite you to pray with me now. Lord, in these moments, may your word come forth. May your Holy Spirit be active. May you change our lives. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. John Eldridge, in his book, Resilient, begins with an introduction uh, to something like this. Camels have an Achilles heel. I didn't know that. Did you know that? Camels are these resilient beings. They're the ships of the desert. They have strength and stamina enough to carry heavy loads across the deserts, going weeks, weeks without water in a very dry, arid place. But the amazing thing about camels is, however, even though they can travel these long distances, and even though they have the appearance that they never tire, with little indication, they will suddenly collapse and die. And I don't want to be on one of those camels when that happens. Eldridge then offers the premise of his book, human souls also have an Achilles heel. We have an astonishing capacity to handle adversity, calamity, and duress. And then eventually the soul simply says, I'm done. 
I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I quit. Some people fall into depression, discouragement. They simply give up. Yeah, they'll put their head down. They'll go through the motions. They'll keep doing their job. But the abundant life of Christ, giving up on that dream. They're simply just going to get to life at the end of their lives as safely as they can. And in the case of the Christian faith, some are quitting the church or they're pushing God to a less prominent position in their lives. Their lives are no longer Christ-centered or even close to Christ. Maybe they just have an acquaintance with Christ or maybe Christ is there to help them whenever they get in struggle. In the case of the Christian faith, we've been through a lot. As Americans, we've been through a lot. The racial tension brought about by the death of George Floyd, remember that, many years ago, not too long ago. The COVID-19 pandemic, the 2020 election and the aftermath of that. And then for Methodists, we got to go through disaffiliation, kind of as a cherry on top. Maybe instead of the desire to get back of some sense of normalcy, which has been my thought and my prayer, can't we just have a normal year in the church without any huge crises to work our way through? Maybe you've had the same thing or said the same thing of your life. But friends, I'm not sure those days are always gonna be around, maybe like they've been in the past. Jesus, let me remind you of the scripture that Jacob read from John 16, though I'm going to read it to you from the amplified version of the Bible. Sometimes I like to read different versions to make it come alive again. I've told you these things, Jesus said, so that you may have perfect peace in this world, you'll have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be resolute, be filled with joy, for I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory is abiding. So the word of the church today Let's pray for a resolute strength for the times in which we live. Let's be strong amidst the setbacks and the difficulties and the challenges that the world will bring our way. In 2023, let's simply seek a greater strength in Christ. The prophet Daniel lived during the sixth century while Israel was in exile after the Babylonian siege of the holy city of Jerusalem. All of the leaders were taken out of the city and taken captive and led over to Babylon and they weren't held in prisons. They were simply assimilated into the life of the church and the community. They were given new education, new cultural training, new literature, new religion. Daniel's desire in all of this was to stay faithful, to stay strong in the Lord. Daniel included in his witness, if you recall, the Daniel plan or a Daniel diet, not eating the pleasures of the, the Babylonians, restricting his diet to, to have greater strength and focus. He prayed three times a day. He pursued God's wisdom and understanding and is acknowledged for that by God, by this angel, and even by those who were his captors. 
On some occasions, even King Nebuchadnezzar praises Israel's God, Daniel's God, if you will, as he sees his faithfulness and as Daniel has helped interpret some of Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. Daniel has other visions from God, prophecies that God will reign over all the kingdoms of the world. The kingdom of God will never end. It will be strong. It will be victorious. But the children of Israel are going to have to wait for that day. And they're going to have to remain faithful and have resolve, even though it's going to be difficult. Daniel's message to the people of God in those days and to us today, don't give up. Don't quit. Stay faithful. Be strong. One of the most familiar passages, I think I may have heard it down here on the floor when Sarah mentioned Daniel, is Daniel in the lion's den. What were the circumstances of that? Darius in chapter 6 becomes the king of the region, though we don't know him historically. He's in the book, and, and he talks about uh, his advisors saying to him that the people should pray to him every day. Well, what was Daniel's response? Immediately upon hearing the edict of the king, he went to his private home with the windows facing Jerusalem. He bowed down and he prayed to Yahweh, the God of Israel. People who knew his reputation and knew that that's what he would do, followed him. And when they caught him in the act praying to a different God than Darius, they simply caught him and took him to the king. And the punishment for such a crime was, you know, thrown into the lion's den. The beautiful part of the story is after they covered up that rock and Daniel spent that night down with those three lions, well, Darius was the first one there in the morning wanting to know how it turned out for Daniel. Did his God deliver him? Daniel 6.20 says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you have served continually been able to rescue you from the lion? Daniel replied down in the hole after they removed the rock, my God sent his angel to shut the mouth of these lions. Darius then writes the decree and he praises the God of Israel. He is the living God who endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. Daniel, though, continues to have visions, which will culminate in one that follows our scripture reading today. And if you read it, it's about the end times and what those might look like. It's a, a prophetic vision, but it's preceded in chapter nine before what I read today with Daniel offering, fasting, sackcloth and ashes, pouring out his heart to God. God, be merciful to us. We have sinned against you. We've rebelled against you, but you have been faithful to us. And then the response of God is a vision. And it comes in the form of a man dressed in fine linen who touches Daniel. Daniel goes down to his knees. Then the angel invites him to stand up he tells him, your words have been heard by God. And the angel explains the reason for the delay. He has been detained because of some spiritual entity that interfered with the rescue mission. The angel Michael had to be called in to help out. Daniel finds, him, Daniel finds himself again face on the ground hearing these words to which the angel then touches his lips 
where angel, where then Daniel is able to speak. Doesn't that sound familiar, like a biblical echo of Isaiah, a man of unclean lips, touched by God so that he can speak? But Daniel's response is this. I'm overcome with anguish because of the vision of my Lord. I feel so very weak. My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Again, this man, this mysterious man, this angel touches him, and he immediately is given strength. And then the words we heard a minute ago, peace, be strong now, be strong. And Daniel was strengthened. What a great story. One that's often overlooked because we're looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and we're looking at Daniel in the lion's den, right? But after that, and then comes behind that, this incredible story of this end-time vision. Well, friends, what can we learn from the passage? First of all, that spiritual practices lay the groundwork for strength. Daniel was in spiritual shape. He was a man of prayer. He probably didn't have the scriptures like we have with us today, but he was a man who prayed three times a day for God to give him strength. And I'm just amazed, wasn't it a beautiful sight to see not the injury of uh, DeMar Hamlin two weeks ago on Monday Night Football, the Buffalo Bill player who had such a violent collision with that Cincinnati Bengal that he, he got up and then immediately fell down, and I think all of us know the story. His heart stopped. And they had to bring him back to life on the field. The players on the field, aware of the severity of the injury that this man's heart had stopped, gathered around, forming a privacy circle around him. Others down on their knees praying, praying for this Demar to have a rescue of his life. Many of us watch this in real time, trying to figure it out. But what I loved about the story is that the NFL players dropped to their knees in a moment of crisis and prayed for their friend. And I also love the fact that even though these men were praying for their friend, they also began to hold one another and encourage one another and have community. And friends, when we talk about prayer and we talk about community, I think about worship. I think about what happens every Sunday here on this campus as we gather for worship, as we gather in Sunday school rooms, and as we gather in the hallways, and as we have spiritual conversations, encouraging one another. We are doing what God has called us to do, to be an encouragement for one another, to be in prayer for one another. So when you come to church, you're practicing your faith. It may not be spiritual exercises as she started her children's sermon today, but in a sense, you are exercising your soul and you are making your soul ready for these crises this time. I have a dear friend in the church who's sitting in our congregation right now who shared with me this week his, his Bible study and memorization plan for the year. Every day of the week, he memorizes a different scripture, a scripture for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now, he only has six scriptures for the whole year, and then the Wesley Covenant Prayer, which we've been introduced to, that he is memorizing it well. But think about this, of the accumulation of memorization, repetitiveness over the year, day after day, week after week, that at the end of the year, he'll have six scriptures memorized and the Wesley Covenant Prayer. He's strengthening his soul for future struggles or calamities. 
Not only do the spiritual discipline strengthen us, friends, also the, we can expect, if you're taking notes, the second thing is in the, we can expect enemy interference. Now, I read several commentaries trying to understand Daniel 10, and it's a hard passage to understand. This whole thing about these princes, who are these princes? This is spiritual warfare that's going on. Everyone was in agreement that there are angels and principalities and demons that are somehow engaged in this rescue mission. Daniel's been praying. God sends an angel to speak to him, to give him a vision, to give him a word for the people, and he is interfered with for three weeks. For three weeks, there is some kind of an interference from a prince of darkness. And I think we need to be very much aware and I have seen in my ministry of over 32 years that anytime God is really doing something special in the congregation of which I believe God is doing right now in Marvin Church, there will be interference. Those of you who've been in the church long enough, those who've been pastors know there will be interference. It comes in strange ways, just little things, petty things, little things that fire up here and over here, but the goal of the enemy is to distract you from what God is trying to do. You just need to be aware of that. And I love the fact that uh, when Jesus is very candid and honest with us, when he says in John 10, 10, you are, I've come that you might have an abundant life, right in the same sentences he is saying to his disciples, and there is another one whose deal is to kill, steal, and destroy. Look at him, it's just right next to each other. And when Jesus says in Matthew 16, I will build my church, he will also say, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So friends, if we're going to have strength, not only do we need to exercise our soul with spiritual exercises of scripture reading and fasting and prayer and, and being in community with one another, not only must we be aware that there'll be interference, there'll be some distractions that are going on that we've got to push through and pray through, but thirdly, we must not quit on God. When the enemy attacks, he will often bring feelings and I learned a word this, this week, E-N-N-U-I, you, you pronounce it ennui. Ennui is simply the feeling of, I just don't care anymore. Ever felt that way? I, I'm just tired of fighting this. I just, I quit, I give up. I can't do this anymore. And those feelings, friends, are not from the Lord as part of our human condition. Daniel experienced that. In Daniel 16 and 17 of chapter 10, I'm overcome with anguish because of the vision the Lord has given me. I'm so weak, I can't even breathe. Daniel is even close to giving up. And let me tell you this, friends, it's okay to feel that way. It's where you direct those feelings and where, how you deal with those feelings is what matters most. So hear me clearly. There are gonna be options and the enemy knows your weaknesses. So the enemy may throw at you alcohol. He may throw out uh, this idea of excessive eating or nervous eating or other unhealthy habits to be a comfort to you, which is not a comfort at all because the enemy's job is to steal, to kill, to isolate and destroy your relationships and destroy your faith. You've got to rest in the Lord and take care of directing your attention back to God, even when you're not feeling it. And I just had a conversation with someone who after COVID-19, I said the other day to him at a funeral reception, I said, uh, uh, where do you guys worship at? He said, well, we just, we don't go to worship anymore. We just, after COVID, we just haven't gone back. 
Okay. Is there more? No, we just, we just don't feel like going to church anymore. Well, friends, that's what we're talking about, this sense of ennui, this, I don't, just don't care anymore about my spiritual life. God wants us to press in and to find our strength in Him. And that's why we must witness boldly in this time and season in the life of America and in our community. I love 2 Chronicles 16.9. The New Trans, English translation says, certainly the Lord watches the whole earth and is ready to strengthen those who are devoted to him. You may have known this passage. It says, the Lord looks out over the earth. He's always looking for those who will be faithful to him. I want the Lord to see me in pursuit of him. I want to see the Lord looking, me looking to him for strength. And lastly, let me just say this. Receive the touch of God and be strengthened. Those words, peace, be strong now, be strong, are the words that we need to hear. But they came also not as a verbal command, but as a touch from the angel. And that's why the touch is so important. Even just, just a moment ago, I was walking the halls ready to come to worship, and a, a friend of mine in the church said, my mom's been sick, she was in a car accident, could you pray for her? And I said, let's just stop right here. And I put my hands on him, and I prayed for Patty that she would be strong and she would recover from this accident that has happened. The human touch is so important, and the angel of God touches Daniel just reminds me of somebody. I can't think who it is. Tim, who, who touched people when he healed them and strengthened them? Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. I, I knew if I asked a pastor, he could help me. Did you notice there's another uh, pastor, retired semi-pastor in the back here in the choir? Where did Brother Giles end up? There he is hiding out over there. <laughs> Isn't that great that our pastors love to sing and want to continue to sing? The friends... Be strong and receive the touch. And here I want to end this sermon, land this plane. John Eldridge in his book, Resilient, took an informal poll of his staff at Wild at Heart Ministries right after COVID-19, right after everybody came back from being isolated in their homes, working from homes. He said this question, how strong are you right now? If you're normally in capacity of 100%, be honest with me, where are you right now? And many of them said about 30%. He then asked them, how strong are your reserves? How strong are your reserves? 15%. A year later, he asked the same question of his staff. Where are you right now in far of your, your strength and your capacity? 30%. Reserves at 15%. So he asked them this question. If we were to have another pandemic, if we were to ever have another crisis in America, if we were to have a natural disaster come through our community, destroy your home, do you have the reserves to deal with it? Will you have the strength? That's a question I want you to wrestle with today as we conclude our service. Things, friends, I'm afraid may not get much easier. They're going to be hard. If your life is arranged around God, you will have more strength to face the challenges. So will you join me in praying resolutely for God to give us strength in 2023? Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 on our campus at 300 West Urban Street, downtown Tyler. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and its ministry and serving opportunities. And if we can be of any assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope you'll let me know. May God bless you with a Christ-centered life as we pursue Christ together.